0: Hi, this is Coach Colette and you are in for a treat with this Coach Chat episode. If you've been listening to this podcast more recently, you may have heard me speak about BIPOC Mental Health Month for July, which is for black, indigenous, and other people of color. Now, have you ever asked yourself the question, why is the world's largest minority over 1 billion people often overlooked in the diversity conversation well july is also disability pride month and that's why i'm so excited to bring to you this episode with tiffany yu who is the founder of DiverseAbility, which is a movement dedicated to raising disability awareness and reshaping conceptions of ability. Now we've gone back in the vault a little bit for this episode. That's my little joke for you. We actually had this conversation back in April. Although now that you know that we are in this new phase of renewed lockdown due to the coronavirus, a lot of what we talk about is still very relevant. And you are really going to get the experience of being the, quote, fly on the wall, because I've decided to include the pre-interview portion of the conversation because she and I just had such a great chat. So you'll hear us talk about what it's like to be seen, to be heard, to have your experiences validated, and what it feels like when that's not the case. Tiffany poses the question, can disability be the reason for someone to belong rather than to be excluded? She shares her personal journey of coming to self-love and self-acceptance We also talk about the difference between self-care and survival care, which is really crucial in this time of self-quarantining. And she and I have something in common. We are both self-quarantining on our own. So get ready and listen up to this episode of Coach Chat. Is it really a substitute, right? So if we're on Zoom, if we're on IG Live, if we're on TikTok, which I know you said you recently joined what is that connection? Because I don't know about for you, but I'm also sheltering in place alone. So there's there's no physical contact. So I'm loving the online community contact. And there are some people that I have probably spoken to more in the last month than probably in the last three months. Um, but there still is that sense of, again, each of us are experiencing this differently depending on how much digital contact as well as how much physical contact we're getting.
1: For sure. I mean, I also live alone and it has, it's been interesting. I will get texts out of the blue from people I haven't spoken with in a while, but I, I keep, I keep revisiting and sitting in gratitude that people know I live alone. And for those of us who are living alone, sheltering can be hard. I have found I am a little bit of a homebody, So, so I feel like I've been okay, but I think, you know, on the one hand, you talk about this digital FOMO. And I, I luckily haven't experienced it. I do see all the Instagram lives, but, um, and I know I mentioned this, I'm taking this science of well being course. It's offered by Yale, free on Coursera. And one of the things it talks about is how if you want to take one step to be happier, get off social media. <laughs> Um, not sweeping advice, of course, but I think what I'm learning as now we turn to the digital space is, and I have a friend and she's like a social health expert. She talks about how can we create digital, healthy social habits, right? So now all of us need technology, which previously had been seen as an indicator of loneliness to create, to create more loneliness, but now we need it to connect. And I think you know if I put my disability advocate hat on, we've been using technology this whole time. Many people within our community don't have access to make it to events you know other other circumstances don't allow them to be certain places, so they've turned online disabled twitter super active disability instagram influencers they're all there you the youtube beauty disability people, and so What's funny is the community that I built was built on IRL in real life connections and I have been a little bit slower to bring that, to bring that community online. We do have an online space where we're communicating, but I'm actually finding most of what I'm doing now is instead of this external programming, it's internal mental health check. Does everyone have the support that they need right now because and actually this was brought up so i also serve on the san francisco mayor's disability council we are we are we are non essential but a few of our council members had sent us an email asking if they wanted us to meet and there's someone on our council who has who has a couple children so now they're all at home and one of them has pretty severe disabilities and needs extra support and she responded to the email chain saying Why are you proposing we have a meeting when we're not essential? Like some of us have to take care of home to pass right now. Like we have to acknowledge we are in an emergency. We're just doing whatever we need to do to survive right now. You know, sometimes for me, that's, you know, the only thing I do in a day is wash the dishes. And and so there's this form of, you know, there's so much digital programming and desire to connect and, and create community right now. But on the other hand, are we doing all the things we need to do to take care of ourselves? This is like really unprecedented what we're in. Um, Right. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's that's so true. I think what you're saying about the mental health check-in is so crucial and also what you're saying about people that have responsibilities or caring responsibilities for others that are actually sheltering with them, whether that's children or partners or parents or or other people. So how do we create that space? Um, I was also intrigued when you said about I guess not moving your community online but I guess so what is it what what was the thing that led you in the beginning to say I want to even create this diversibility platform or community
1: Yeah I mean I I I really created diversibility for myself so as um and it and um if your listeners are not aware I got into a car accident when I was 9 my dad was driving he unfortunately passed away and my right arm was paralyzed in the car accident. And so I just grew up feeling really alone, really isolated. And one of the things that's actually happening right now is I've been hearing, like right now, we actually are socially isolated. Like that is an objective fact. We need to, those of us who are living alone, we're isolating ourselves. Um, But to feel lonely is subjective. So I just grew up feeling very lonely. I didn't know, I didn't feel like I had process to grieve what had happened in my family. I feel like I didn't really understand what had happened to my body. I just knew that no, no, one, no one wanted to talk to me about it. So I never talked about it. And no one ever asked me about it. So I never learned how to talk about it in a way that made me feel strong and empowered in my narrative. And so come to college, which is, I started diversity in 2009. And at the time I was in college, I had just finished this internship on Wall Street. So I was feeling, I was feeling pretty good, <laughs> Wall Street internships. And I, I remember I actually had a moment in that internship where the recruiter would provide you weekly feedback on how you were doing. And I was having a really hard time. I felt like I just couldn't keep up with the hours of the workload, or I just feel like my work, I wasn't delivering a quality work product. And so she called me in and on my way out, she said, Tiffany, I want you to to know that you deserved your place here. Like you don't need to feel like you have a chip on your shoulder. And I was being called out. (laughs) Or or that's what it felt like. And, And I remember just like feeling like, I just like knew I was gonna burst out crying because she could see, she could see me. And I feel like I spent so much of my adolescence, like wanting to be seen, wanting to have someone ask me, how are you wanting to, wanting to have someone ask me, tell me about your dad, you know, all, all these different aspects. And so when I came back from that internship and now I was back in school, the first thing I thought of was that was the first place I really felt like someone saw me. How can we create more spaces for people who feel invisible to really be seen, to have platforms, to share their stories on their own terms as they're working through their own healing journeys? And what I realized was the first couple of times I shared my stories, I was on the verge of tears, right? And sometimes, you know, and my advice is like, sometimes you need to share things before you're ready to let them out because you never know who's going to catch them. And what I found was that there were other people after I had first shared that story around the car accident. And to be honest, that was the first time that I had shared the story about the car accident in 12 years. So from 1997 until 2009, no one, I never gave myself permission to share. And so in a way I was hiding part of my story. And finally, when I let it out, it felt like it was the first time that I was telling the universe, like my story matters um and what ended up happening was i had a lot of other people emails you know coming up to me after events telling me oh here's my story and i'm like how are we not creating more opportunities for other people to to be seen and to have their stories validated to have their experiences validated like i believe you it's real it happened so um so yeah so a big part of it was around Number one, I just felt really lonely. I felt really alone growing up. I felt like I didn't have a community. And then it became, can disability be the reason to belong, not the reason to exclude? And so now, 10 years later, you know, our, our community exists, exists in the digital realm across all the different platforms. And really for us, it's how can we showcase the diversity of disability narratives that exist within our community? And how can we celebrate your lived experience and how real and valid that is?
0: Wow, that that is so powerful and, and so compelling. And I think for anyone, myself included, anyone who's listening, that sense of the story that you have not shared right and then or and then sort of that progression of and then when you do share it what happens and i think it's interesting i love what you said about can it be a an an opportunity to be included versus excluded because I'm sure, I don't know if you've had the experience of telling your story and then people judging you for that story, which is different than being included, right? You're like, I cut my courage up, I finally got to tell, and someone was like, oh, really? Like, that's a big deal, right? So the the response that we give to each other when we share stories is also really important, right?
1: Yeah, I think Brene Brown has this quote that I, I read in 2016, which is, um, It was something along the lines of like you need to like it is a privilege for someone to hear your story so you need to decide when you meet someone if that person has the right to hear your story and colette i think to your point i have definitely been in situations where i've shared my stories and felt even more alone and i often tell people that the creation of diversability really mirrors my own healing journey because along this journey of creating diversity, I've met so many other disability leaders, disability advocates who have very different stories and had very different upbringings, maybe more supportive parents, or like were in, you know, were went to disability camps, all, all this other stuff that, that I didn't have access to. But, but here we are now meeting. And I, I think that a big part of it is this journey has really been, how can I love and embrace my story for whatever it is? There are parts in it that where I felt like I broke. There are parts of it that are very hard that I'm still working through. And if I'm okay with my story and I show up and I share it, then that's all that matters. Um, and, and the past couple of years have really been this journey of how can I turn my definition of success? How can I redefine success for me instead of here are all the accolades and the response that I'm going to get by sharing my work in my story to when I look at myself in the mirror, do I like what I see? Do I like how I'm showing up in the world? Do I like how I'm progressing on my healing journey? And how can I... And that's enough for me. for now.'re you're, catch- you're <laughs> catching me on a good day. <laughs> because I've been sitting in my aloneness for almost five weeks now.:
0: <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, I know when we, we've spoken uh, uh, several times, but you mentioned the fact that sometimes situations like corona, um, COVID-19, self- quarantining, sheltering in place can trigger things for people that have gone through trauma Um, is this something you've experienced and do you have suggestions on how people can deal with that
1: yeah i i think that's a great question yeah you and i we chatted a bit about the fact that for those of us who have experienced grief and trauma what is going on right now in terms of sheltering or quarantine or lockdown can be re-triggering because what is happening is, now we're back in our aloneness. We're back in our loneliness. We're back in being unclear of where our support systems are, especially if we live by ourselves. And I guess I'll say two things. So one is, at the, at the end of last year, I actually joined a grief group for people who have lost a parent. And we are all part of a, WhatsApp group now. During this time, our group normally meets monthly for dinner to talk through where we are in our grief journey. And I am—I'm so grateful for my grief group on WhatsApp because sometimes they will just pop in there saying, "Hey, I listened to this podcast from Brene Brown." Maybe I'll be like, "Hey, listen to this podcast from Colette," <laughs> um, or I just read this article on co- the collective grief we're all experiencing. Or how is everyone doing today? And I'm actually taking the science of well-being course with them, and as part of the course, you have to take some baseline quizzes that say, "Here's where your authentic happiness score is, here's where your overall well-being score is," and all of us are scoring like kind of lowish, and hoping that what we learn in this course will help us. But I think if I and and so. I also mentioned the course to another friend, and he took it. So my score was about 2.4 on a five-point scale, happiness, and he was like 3.9, like almost a four, right? And so, so yeah. So sometimes it's nice to just be. And and one of the things that's interesting in this happiness course that I'm learning is that so much of what you depend your happiness on is relative, right? Which is why. You know getting off social media helps um and and so to be able to be pursuing this course with my grief group i really appreciate number one to be having and then number two to be having that support system um is helpful but i guess the other thing i'll say is that you know for the first week when it happened i was in when the shelter in place ordinance was put into place in san francisco i i was i had a really hard time and you know was sleeping a lot um and i really love the advice to just be gentle with yourself during this time so normally i am propelled into action when things like this happen you know what's the event what's the campaign how are we gonna you know take care of our community members but instead what I told most people is I've been laying low because I really need to take care of my mental health right now. And I just need to make sure that my basic needs are met in terms of, do I feel safe in my home? Does my home feel like a home? How can I institute some sort of routines into place that will help me get out of bed in the morning? Um, The most interesting, or honestly, I think what has been keeping me centered during this whole thing is every single night at 7 30 i join a zoom call with around two or three other people who i actually wasn't very closely connected to connected with when this all happened but i join the zoom call we check in for a little bit how's everyone doing how's their day we meditate for about 10 minutes or so and then we close with some gratitude journaling and i have never meditated consistently I have never journaled consistently. I've never been a gratitude person, even though I wanna be more positive. And I'm just picking up, or I picked up something new that I need for me to survive through this or to keep my mental health in check. And what I told someone the other day was like, I, I am so grateful for this meditation crew because I can show up however I am and they will just be there to listen. And they're not judging, right? Um, when you tell people you're in day twenty nine, no one, no one is judging. We just all know we're doing whatever we need to do right now.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So you've got community and your self-care habits are being supported by community, which is one of the things that happens, right? We You you go to a course, you go to a retreat, you watch a TED Talk and you're like, that sounds awesome. And then you try to do it on your own and and sometimes it falls off. But in this case, it's something that you desire to do and now you've got that community to support you
1: in it. Um, and yeah, it will be I,
0: interesting to see, like, will, will that continue because you've had this ongoing support.
1: Yeah. I mean, we we have talked about this in terms of 7.30 to 8.30 in normal life PM is prime whatever you're doing that evening time. <laughs> it is very unlikely that we will have that window of time open when we are allowed to reemerge and meet up with our friends again, but how can we keep this up? And then the other thing I'll say is I have a friend, she's a psychotherapist in, in New York named Gina Maffa, And she describes, cause I, I talked to her about self-care and, and self-care strategies for your mental health. And she responded and said, this isn't really self-care. It's survival care because with self-care it's, you know, and sometimes when I think about self-care, I think part of the reason why my own self-care has gone by the wayside is to me, it had always been an extracurricular activity. When now this like I need this, or else I'm just not grounded and not centered
0: that's so interesting, so right we've moved from self care to- sur- survival care i can I can definitely relate to that in terms of i had i had started um, uh, i have a regular me- meditation practice um but This year, I started not just a morning, but I began an evening practice. And it was before this really um, kicked in. And so I am so grateful that I had started it due to another reason of, you know, other noise in my building. But now it's now I have the bookends. And so it feels like I can kind of almost wrap myself. (laughs) in that grounded feeling you know starting off the day and then closing off uh the night and i don't know i, I wouldn't have thought of it as survival care but yeah it's I, it's funny like i've told people i think i've even said it on this podcast like i fight for my sleep i kind of fight a little i don't fight for my meditation time because that's not the right energy around it um, but yeah i think it it's it it has It's now something that is a ritual. So now and once it becomes a ritual, then other things can get scheduled around it. And I think that that's going to be one of the lessons, in my opinion, to see how we do that post all of this is what things do we want to hold on to um, and what things will we allow to say, okay, yeah, that was that happened during that time, um, but I'm going to let that pass. So what do you think of the episode so far? What are your main takeaways? Before we jump into the next segment, I have a question for you. How are you dealing with the uncertainty that this pandemic is creating? The thing is, we all have different responses to trauma. Do you tend to fight or get angry? flight or run away, or freeze, get stuck. We're all being impacted by this situation in different ways. The goal is to recognize how you respond, find healthy ways to release your anxiety, so you can take steps to thrive once all of this subsides. It is possible when you start within, and I would like to help you to do it. You can visit my website, startwithincoaching.com, and at the top, click Start Here to schedule your complimentary activation call. We can talk about what's going on in your life right now, how you are in your mental health and well-being, and where you would like to be when this all ends. So go to startwithincoaching.com and click start here to start your journey within. So one of the questions that I ask all of my guests on the podcast is, what does start within mean to you?
1: Sounds like my life for the past twenty years. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I love that. That's the name of your podcast, right? Start it within. Um, so, I, I'm a storyteller. So I'll share a brief story around. Um, in 2018, I was doing a lot of speaking things. I was a very visible. Diversibility had had its shining star moments but it also re-triggered my trauma in ways that I hadn't anticipated. And to be honest, up until 2018, I had never really acknowledged that I had, had, hadn't grieved the loss of my dad. I mentioned him in the story, but my story was a disability one. Now I'm realizing my story is a grief story, it's a trauma story, it's, it's all these different layers that can exist with or without the disability. And so coming into 2019, I realized I needed to do some work on myself. And all of my goals in 2019, I made a vision board for the year. All of my goals were personal. How can I rebuild confidence? I had just gotten out of a relationship that was really my core support system. But a big part of it was confidence. A big part of it was play. My intentions for 2019 were confronting my grief. And letting nine-year-old Tiffany be nine-year-old Tiffany, because she never she never had her moment. And grief and play can't co can't coexist at the same time, but you can oscillate between them. I think I've heard I've heard different versions of this. Like one is you can't dance and be sad. That's from Esther Perel. But it's like you can't play and also be sitting in your grief. But you can be a human and experiencing those at different times. So. All of my goals for 2019 were personal, so I felt like 2019 was my start within moment. And as a result of focusing on myself and what I needed to do for my own wellness and my own well being, I actually saw it manifest professionally in ways I hadn't seen. And i I sit in a lot of different social impact circles, and what I often ask some of the other social entrepreneurs is how are you taking care of yourself? Because I think that that is really telling about, like, have you done the work on yourself so that you can show up for these other communities? Because a lot of our, for many of us, our work is trauma-informed, which means how can I, how can I show up and, and tell you this story, but not relive it? How can I confront my grief, but not relive my trauma? And, and that was something I learned. I mean, I'm learning all these things from other great people as well. So Alisa Zapersky from Healing Honestly is the one who was really all about how can you untangle your grief and your trauma? How can you experience grief without re-experiencing your trauma? So that's what starting within means. It means, are you doing the work on yourself so that you can show up in the world? Kind of like this definition of success. Like, how are you showing up in the world? Have you done the work that you've needed to do so you can show up as yourself?
0: I love that. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I agree on the challenges of social entrepreneurs and having had a lot of conversations with social impact leaders and entrepreneurs on this podcast, what do you see as some of the unique challenges uh, to prioritizing our own self-care?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think that, I think the biggest, one of the things I thought a lot about in 2018 was compassion fatigue and burnout. So are you adopting this care mindset all the time? Because those of us who do, are who are social impact leaders, we want to pay it forward. We find it to be nourishing to serve our community, to serve others. but i also because at that point i hadn't done the work on myself i i wasn't nourishing myself i was trying to grab like water out of an empty bowl i don't know what the idiom is and trying to give that trying to hand emptiness because i i was empty to other to other people um you can't be an empty person because then you're not giving anything you're not giving anything to anyone else so yeah, I think that the compassion fatigue I mean it's all it's all tangled into this belief system that oh we shouldn't get paid because our reward comes in non-financial needs right so part of it is are we basic needs tests you know do we have access to healthcare when we need it can we afford it can we afford can we afford to be social impact leaders and as a result you could also say and I'll tell you this one exercise I did you could also say that deciding to be a social entrepreneur or a social impact leader there's a little bit of privilege rooted in there because you can and i did i did an exercise with one of my social impact communities and you had to stand like in different parts of the room like on a spectrum based on how the phrase resonated with you and one of the phrases that someone said was it is more important to me to make a difference than to take care of myself and the only people who stood on the take care of myself we were two women of color who both worked in kind of the diversity and inclusion space and i actually brought this up in the exercise as well and then the people who stood on the it's more important to me to make a difference you know didn't hold those identities per se and i thought that that was interesting because the way we view our work also depends on the identities that we hold and the experiences that we're carrying with us you know whether it's intergenerational trauma whether it's childhood trauma what's trauma big t little t who knows who knows what people are bringing with them but yeah i think for those of us who do decide that this is what we want to do full time a lot of that again is trauma informed comes from these experiences of i wear these identities i know what this experience is like or i or i have you know a connection to it how can i help how can i help that community
0: that's so enlightening and i'm I'm thankful that you shared that experience and that, and that exercise with us, because it is interesting to think about that in our current environment, um, like you made the comment earlier about, oh, we're not essential workers, like your team not being essential workers. Um, and there's, I've been thinking about that you know, when I talk about, even when I talk about, oh, it's day whatever, that I haven't been out of my house, and oh, I'm expecting deliveries, right? There is some privilege in that, right? The ability to be able to do that. And so again, I, for me, particularly with all that's happening now, it's a matter of are we becoming more aware of our identities? Are we becoming more aware of our privileges? Are we becoming more aware of our trauma? Are we becoming more aware of our triggers? And hopefully using this time as a way of working through some of those issues.
1: Yeah, and potentially maybe this is a time for others to start within, you know? And, and one of the things you and I did talk about is, I do have, I do have anxious tendencies based on my childhood experiences and my dad passing away so young. And I have been really grateful for this time to sit with myself. And I hope that other and 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 I also I also want to say like privilege privilege is not a bad thing. I acknowledge that even as a disabled woman of color, I have enormous amounts of privilege. And the way what matters is what you do with that privilege, right? So how can I use my platform? How can I use my voice? whatever to help elevate others in my community and lift them up but yeah i am hoping that more people use this time or use part of this time to really sit with themselves and and i thought that you did such an amazing job of articulating it to say this could bring up trauma it could bring up grief it could bring up privilege this is you know i think what is happening right now is a lesson in compassion and how are we going to take these lessons back out with us into, I want to call it the real world, but I'm not sure if sheltering is our new real world. How are we going to, how are, how are we going to carry these lessons forward with us?
0: Right. Right. And that's, and that's where I am as well with the sense of what, what, what lessons, what nuggets can we take with us? Um, although we do know that for whatever reason, we as humans do tend to learn during adversity (laughs) a little bit more than during, you know, when things are going well, but right, like, so if we're going to go through all of this to be able to say, wow, this is what I learned either about myself or about our collective and being able to you know, if if we're all gonna buy the you know I survived whatever you know T-shirts, like, like that when we're wearing that T-shirt, right? There's actually something um, else going on, or there's something valuable that we've gotten out of this experience.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I have learned that I've really been kind of like sitting on is I watched a video where someone talked about their window of tolerance, and what they meant was, or they used the example of if you take a really cold shower. Or if you take a shower and there happens to be no hot water, you're gonna, you're gonna sit in that moment and you're gonna be like, oh my God, it's so cold. Like, like, I'm not gonna survive. But then you get out of the cold shower and you're still there. And so it's actually gotten me thinking a lot about the experiences I went through as a kid. I think expanded my window of tolerance. Right now what's going on in the world, I think is expanding everyone's window of tolerance you know, if we do what we need to do for our survival care, we, we are likely, and, and we do what we need to do to, to stay safe and stay healthy. We're going to come out of this with an expanded window of tolerance. And I think that that is a powerful thing.
0: It's a very powerful thing. I love that. So we're going to expand our windows of tolerance. Oh, yeah. So, so how can our listeners learn about you and diversability and all of the other amazing things that you have got going on, including, I think, maybe a
1: podcast. I know I was going to say the Tiffany empire, the Tiffany U empire. Um, You can follow me across social media at I'm Tiffany U. That's the letter I, the letter M, followed by my first and last name. And then you can also follow diversability across social media. And I know we didn't spend a lot of time talking about diversability I also want to acknowledge, like, Tiffany, as her own human, you know, is, has, has other things, other things that are happening outside of diversability, but, um, one of the things I always tell people is, if you're looking to be a better ally within the disability space, one of the lowest, um, sorry, I don't know what the right word is, like, the, the the, the smallest thing you can do that still makes a big impact is follow disabled people on whatever social media platform you use. If something resonates with you, just click that share button. And then you've expanded the audience of who sees that content. Um, and those are just really small ways, because once you start seeing more disability content on your feed, then it stops becoming so sensationalized or an and other thing. It's just like, Oh, here's here are the disability issues that um or here are the issues that people with disabilities are facing right now during the pandemic i want to be more aware of this or like now i know so that the next time i am part of a conversation i can say hey have we thought about the disability the disability community's needs during this time um
0: right no, that's so true because and it can be challenging to see outside of our own frame of reference, right? So whether we are innovating or building solutions or creating communities or building platforms, having that extra perspective onto this, well, A, it should be part of the conversation too, but if, if someone's not part of that, being able to say, have we thought about this and then do the research, is, would that be a fair way to say that?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I I guess as a, um, to help put it in context a little bit, like I noticed that, uh, or before, before this pandemic, I, I was, I am Asian American, but I wasn't really involved in the conversation and after, or sorry, over the past couple of months, I'm like, you know what, I want to be more aware of kind of what's going on in the community. So I started following a lot of different public figures in the space. And then I was like, you know what? I live in I've been living in San Francisco for three and a half years, but I only really see a small portion of what the city is. Let me follow more San Francisco influencers so I can see all the beauty that the city is. So I think it's just expanding your frame of mind of maybe you see things a certain way. If you introduce new elements into your frame of reference, it actually, number one, it tackles bias. So I have a friend who will make her screensaver, like um, pictures, like uh, racially diverse stock photos. So they're just always filtering through. Um, But but yeah, I think just that heightened level of awareness so that when you do have conversations, you can be like, oh, have we thought about this? I may not have that identity, but I've been exposed to how people may live, how certain people live, and want to include those perspectives in here. Mm
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for opening that, that window for, for us and, and your podcast.
1: Oh, so the podcast is called Tiffany and you, you can find us across all the podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts and the best place to find us is on anchor anchor.fm forward slash I'm Tiffany.
0: Very cool. Yes. We love,
1: we love anchor too. (laughs)
0: Well, I'm so glad that we took this time out to have this conversation and yeah, just talk about what's up during this crazy ah, pandemic.
1: Yep. So (laughs) we'll, we'll have another, another podcast on on that.
0: Yes, we will talk about that soon. So thank you for sharing your time. Thank you for sharing your insight um, and, I do look forward to our next conversation because I know I know it will be as fun. Thanks, Colette. If you enjoyed this episode and haven't already subscribed, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. You also can connect with me on Instagram at coach for more inspiration on personal growth and wellness. Stay tuned for another episode of Coach Chat and get ready to start within to finish strong.